<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Congress brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Has Jordan. Allen shakes free. Gets two. Gilmore on Stop. Oh. Oh, brother. Toledo artist. You get 21. 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast at HarvardProcessing.com. I am Jason Mann and with me as usual is Rich Krejci. Rich Krejci, back with you. Absolutely. I'm so glad we uh, finally, after so long of talking basketball, we're going to talk wrestling for the next month uh, of March, right? <laughs> is that what we're going to do? Uh, it's WrestleMania, right? I, I, I believe, sir, it's WrestleMania. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right. Well, that's fine. All right. All right. You'll, Bill Russell? You'll wing it. Is it Bill Russell? It is Bill Russell, yes. Oh, I thought uh, not Russell Westbrook. Bill Russell. No, okay. All right. I mean, not that Russell wouldn't Russell Westbrook <laughs> wouldn't be worth a, a WrestleMania down the line as well. I mean, I guess we could hit all the NBA Russells. Yeah, I guess we got to hit all the Russells. Yeah. How many uh, How many basketball Russells can I? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, uh, I mean, D'Angelo Russell would probably not be very good. There's that, uh, there's <laughs> Rushaney. I don't know if uh, I, I don't know if he was a Russell or just a Russ, but we pro- probably could just grandfather him in. You know, By, uh, Byron Russell. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, it's, we'll take. Is there not that many Russells? I'm trying to think in the top of my head. I don't want to look it up, but that's the only three I can think of off the top of my head. And then... I'm sure there will be there'll be okay. dozens that are brought to our attention after um of the Russells that we forgot. But we'll you know we'll we'll table that. We'll we'll see how that goes. I I think Bill, Bill Russell this time. Okay. I think Bill probably would be the first to start off with. I think that fair would be enough. A good idea. Fair enough. So, so we are going to do a, a multi-week series um, looking at uh, Bill Russell's uh, career, his legacy, his life, his playoff battles, some just, you know, all the great things about uh, Bill Russell. We uh, were doing some reading. We decided, you know what, we just want to we just want to just uh, crack this nut, so to speak, and just, uh, you know, 
be all about Bill Russell. So, um, and we we just like the pun too. You know, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. It's because of wrestling it's, it's fans. Because we, of the pun. We, we needed to make a WrestleMania yeah. pun uh, for this season. But no, it, it definitely no. works. It's something that's long overdue for us to sort of uh, discuss Bill Russell at a little bit more length because we've we've mentioned him a little bit and here and there, but I don't think we've really done due diligence on on him. And it, it's time we do it. And if we can do it in a, cl- uh, a playful pun, yeah, you know, themed a month, of course. It, I mean, come it's on, the greatest no brain ever come out of a pun. So. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, so I mean the the first things that come to mind for me for for Russell is just obviously like the unparalleled success that he had in his career. Um 11 championships in 13 seasons, 12 finals appearances. Um he is tied with uh Henry Richard of the Montreal Canadiens for the most uh, North American pro athlete team titles ever. But, um, but he, I, he, I think was slightly more important than Henry Richard. No offense, uh, Henry. I don't know. Much Gee, about oh him. man. The, uh, yeah. the, <laughs> the, all, all the uh, blue line. <laughs> I don't know what the hell <laughs> the, the, the NHL hockey podcast is going to be very upset. Okay. I was trying to think of what they would call their, yeah. uh, the, the parallel universe and yeah. NHL They're history. Icing, podcast. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, the icing, well. <laughs> the, the icing and back podcast. Yeah. The offsides and icing you you know, podcast is going to get really upset about okay. this, but, uh, all right, well, well, we'll bring them on. We'll talk and we'll discuss. Sure. You know, that we'll, seems we'll do a, yeah. Uh, Eight championships in a row for the uh, Boston Celtics during his uh, career. Um, The greatest championship streak in um, North American pro sports history. He was a five-time MVP, a a three times on the All-NBA first team, eight times on the uh, second team. Of course, only behind because he played alongside Will Chamberlain. is that he wasn't on the first team more often, but um, obviously that's still quite impressive. Uh, he was he had a or his team, uh, led by him, had a record of ten and zero in game sevens during his career. He averaged eighteen points and twenty nine point five rebounds in se- series deciding games. Um, he also led uh, the University of uh, San Francisco to a fifty five game winning streak and two NCAA titles. He won a NCAA title, a gold medal, and an NBA title uh, within 13 months. Uh, he's <laughs> one of seven players to win all three of those. Um, he is second all-time in rebounding, and the NBA Finals MVP is named after him. Um, so that's that all obviously is, um, is pretty great. Um, he is really just, um, you know, That's a good way to put it. He, yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's, I, I like that. I, I like that. Numbers. I like to see. Uh, yeah, but I mean, just an amazing player. But but really, more than that, he is just a. He's really a basketball pioneer. I mean, just a really changed the way the game was played. And we'll get into that a, yeah. in a little bit. Um, and he was a a pioneer for. Um, for for black players he was the first black superstar in the nba led to, to um greater black representation in the nba during his career um the first black coach in pro sports um you know so just as from those um parallels and from his role as an activist uh helping um being you know a a, a leader in um the social change that was going on during the time and speaking out about uh civil rights and um you know and against the vietnam war and and things like that he really was you know a part of a and one of the standouts who was not afraid to you know speak out about what he believed and was not um 
you know, before Bill Russell, before his generation, you know, um, um, black athletes, you know, basically were were forced to be humble and be quiet and be accepting and, you know, not to rock the boat at all. And, um, you know, um, and, and Russell was able to help break some of those barriers and let, you know, people be themselves and let, um, you know, people be thought of, athletes be thought of as, as more than just athletes, but as players and as, you know, all things that encompass that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And that he was able to do it in Boston as well is pretty profound as well, because given, you know, the climate at the time, it wasn't necessarily a, a city that was and, and it's not to say they were horribly backwards or anything like that, but it just wasn't, you know, a, it wasn't the bastion of racial, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. it, it, it had its issues. Yeah. Uh, its and I'm not issues. I'm not sure there was an NBA city or any city in America right. during that time that was particularly one. I mean, Boston had some unique things, uh, you know, in and of itself that that may have um that that may have been a particularly virulent strain of it, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, anywhere he would have played, there would have obviously been significant issues. Um, yeah, oh certainly. So, but 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 yes, that that's a. I don't want to mean demean the people of Boston, but you know, I don't think anyone should be surprised that there are you know, um, that there were issues there. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Rich, you you cracked some of the numbers of him as uh as an overall player. Why don't you uh, yeah share with well, our I good listeners. One one thing I definitely wanted to talk about a little bit, um, and, and it comes to it comes to mind at least when you know in doing some of this reading about Bill Russell and and, and reading up a little bit about him is that there's sort of a perception, and, and it's not saying you know, it seems a lot of sort of maybe casual fans or, or, or fans that don't really do like the type of research we do or, or you know read biographies about Bill Russell and all that sort of stuff get this idea that he was a defensive first guy and and which he was he was a tremendous defender we'll get to that here in a little bit but that he was just like this guy that would you know rebound and steal and block and then just facilitate for other people and you know do all this sort of stuff but it's a really good score in his era too and like I I don't know if enough people appreciate that where they sort of think of um, and we'll talk a little bit you know in another episode about how Wilt Chamberlain was sort of the score to the Russell the defender which is fine because Russell was a better defender and you know an elite all-time great maybe without a doubt or you know maybe the best defender of all time yeah. whereas you know Wilt was without a doubt you know one of the best scorers of all time but there's sort of this dichotomy that one's a scorer and one's a defender whereas Russell's a very good scorer too so I wanted to uh, sort of address a little bit uh, of that here as well uh here are his career averages to give you an idea of, of what Russell was able to do uh, in his era um uh, 15.1 points per game, uh, 22.5 rebounds per game. Also a very impressive 4.3 assists per game. Uh, he shot 44% from the field, which wasn't fantastic even in that era, but still wasn't like horrendously awful. It was just sort of average uh, for his era. Uh, otherwise, some of the advanced stuff, 163.5 win shares, uh, a .193 win shares per 48. And then probably the most impressively, which I'll get to here in a little bit, 133.6 uh, defensive win shares was just an incredible amount. He uh, he led the, the league in defensive win shares 11 of 13 seasons, uh, including 10 consecutive ones. Uh, he led the NBA in rebounding per game his first three seasons, and then twice again in uh, 1964 and 1965. Um, he is one of two players in NBA history to average uh, over 15 points, over 20 rebounds, and over four assists per game. The other one is... Will Chamberlain, of course. So that's uh, can't get away from each other. They have to just always, always be a neck and neck. But um, I thought this was great. Uh, uh, he's first all time in defensive win shares, which is a cumulative stat. So you sort of think, oh, you know, hey, he was around for a long time and he sort of collected it. And, you know, it's not a big. But, you know, when you really look at his career, he wasn't really around what I would consider all that long. I mean, it was a long time. Uh, of course, but it's not like a guy who, who you know, we see guys now, including 
the guy who's second in defensive win shares, who's Tim Duncan, who's obviously had a, a much longer career uh, than Bill Russell. Uh, Tim Duncan is the next closest in defensive win shares. He is 30 away. So <laughs> that's a... Uh, that's a tall timber for Mr. Uh, Mr. Tim Duncan there. I don't think he's going to break that record. So I think uh, Bill Russell will continue to have a defensive win share record. And and even when you look at current players, like nobody is close. Like that's something that he is probably going to have forever. And and it, it's going to really take a rare talent to, to to top him in that. And it's just incredible how he ranks even now uh, amongst others in in you know win shares and defensive win shares. Uh, his all time ranks when he retired. I think this is a good way to sort of get a snapshot of you know when he was done. Here's where he ranked amongst these things. Uh, games he was first played, minutes played, or, or games he was first overall, uh, minutes played he was first, points he was third. So again, you know that's the idea that he wasn't really a scorer. You know, he's third when he retired all time in points. Uh, free throws made he was sixth. So again, you know we sort of think of him as not really a guy who, who did any, much on the offensive end, but you know retired sixth all time uh, in free throws made. Uh, rebounds he was first uh, when he retired, and then assists he was first as well, which I think is is a really an incredible thing that assist number. I always sort of look at it and it's like, man, you know, uh, and, and of course, blocks and steals weren't counted, but you can, I think, I think it's a safe assumption. I, I, I think you'll go with me that we could probably say he probably would have been first all time in, in both of those. Uh, certainly, certainly in blocks. Uh, it, I, I guess it's <laughs> possible that there may have been others who were, who were stronger than steals, but he certainly would have been, um, you know, yeah, among the best um, ever in that respect as well. Um but yeah, I mean, he, you know, in addition to to possibly likely being the greatest defensive player ever, he really was an eff- effective offensive player. I mean, as, as you pointed out, he was, you know, he was an effective scorer, even though he, he was not a, a good shooter at all. Um, but he, you know, he had the ability to get to the basket, to score on tip-ins, to, to, to dunk, um, to uh to create the the fast break through his passing and through you know to to run an effective offense uh, or be part of an effective offense um so he was a great offensive player even though the the, the one thing he lacked was was shooting um and um you know he really changed the style of the game in terms of um you know really the the, the combination of the mental and physical aspects of defense um Really, he was the first player to block shots in a um, in a meaningful way. Before Russell, it was considered um, largely considered a basketball wrong to jump on defense at all. Um, and he, yeah, I love that point. Right. I mean, he, uh, you know, the king of the court like really talks about that, where they're like, "What are you doing, man? Why are you jumping?" He's like, "I'm stopping them from scoring." And it's like, "No, you're losing. You're losing your position. You're like, you got to stick in your position. Like guys are gonna go around you. They're gonna figure it out or whatever." So it's it's incredible to think about now, like we, we with you know the hindsight, we sort of. You know, I remember reading that chapter or that portion of the book and being like, how could you guys not realize how good that would be here? Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense, though. It makes sense how they would say, no, you're supposed to just stay in front of your guy and don't let him, you know, get to the basket. Whereas when you jump, you know, they could pass it. You know, you you take yourself out of play in, in ways. But of course, we now see the, the tremendous benefit of uh, well-timed uh, jumps for blocks. Yes. So. Yeah. And, and obviously, yeah, you can. So if, if you jump at the wrong time, you can get beat on a block. But um, so you can see where that where that comes from. But obviously, yes. at the right ask, time. Ask Hassan Whiteside. Yes. <laughs> there you go and um and he had the ability you know he had just so much quickness and um he was able to rotate and cover teammates mistake the 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 celtics famously had a uh, a hay bill defense where basically the if the guard got beat they would yell hey bill and and bill would come to uh you know dig it in the way and would either block the shot or alter the shot or you know the, the modern idea of rim protection i mean that was really um 
you know, he, he really helped uh, create that because no one else, you know, every other big man that they had was, you know, relatively slow, relatively ground bound. Um, you know, the combination of the lack of athleticism and just the lack of, you know, anyone ever really playing that way. Um, it, it took a while for other, um, you, you know, other players to come that, you know, could even come close to kind of matching him that way. So and, and the Celtics were, you know, amazingly ahead of the defensively from the rest of the league for almost the entire time of that dynasty. We'll we'll get into that in um, in another show, um, just how much better they were than the rest of the NBA when it came to defense. But they um, revolutionized the game on that way. And um, and Russell enabled them to do that. And also his ability to to pass key the uh, Celtics uh, fast breaking offense, the um, and helped change the, you know, the literal pace of the game. I mean, the the pace was already quickening because of the uh, shot clock, but it, you know, it just went into overdrive um, once the uh, Celtics started to uh, win championships. And throughout, you know, the early 60s, the, you know, the pace became um, <laughs> staggering of the game. And, and he was a, um, you know, a, a big part of that, uh, maybe the most important part of that. And, um, you know, he also changed the geometry of the floor. Um, he was allowed the game to be played more above the rim. There was more dunking, which happened some in the NBA, but was kind of a, um, it was kind of a taboo to dunk because it was thought mm-hmm. that you were showing up somebody, but you know, um, once Russell came in the league, he was dunking and nobody could stop him. So it just sort of became <laughs> <part> <laughs> who cares? Uh, too damn bad. Yeah, uh, stop, uh, me. It was, stop me then. <laughs> he wasn't necessarily the only guy, but you know he was, sure. and he also, um, uh, you know, and, and and was, um, you know, changing the style of the game. And he was also, you know, incredible pioneer in terms of, um, you know, he was really the first black superstar in the NBA. And part of an increased, um, you know, black participation in the NBA and in 1956, his rookie year, only six of 80 players were black. One of them was an all-star. And then in 1966, 47 out of 99 were black and 14 out of 20 were all-stars. So, you know, in a full decade, it just it completely shifted. And as the, uh, you know, in, into the 70s and 80s, obviously, it became a, a black majority sport. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, he paved the way for, you know, the, the next help pave the way for the next generation of stars. Will Chamberlain, um, Elgin Baylor. Um, you know, helped really kind of, you know, uh, expand what was possible and show that, you know, you can, um, you know, you, you can build your route, your team around black players and it, you know, shattered some of the terrible stereotypes that, um, were there and that, you know, um, there definitely were fans who were turned off by it. And there was a lot of fear written at the time about what would happen with, you know, these black players being in the, in the game, are they going to rough white fans? But, you know, the game grew in popularity and, yeah. um, you know, it, it demonstrated that, you know, we put the best players out there. Most people are going to support it and be fine with it. So that's what they did. And I do, uh, I do also, you know, throughout you know, reading these, the, a lot about Bill Russell and doing sort of the research here. A lot of it, I or a lot of credit, I do give as well to Red Auerbach of being very open to, hey, here's this guy, he's good, whatever, he wins any games. I don't care what color he is. I don't, you know. And then I think the more profound thing that that I think Red did for Russell was, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, of him being the first black coach in you know the NBA and in professional sports, and did it without really like just said, hey, this is your new coach. There you go. Like, you know, and I think that was something that was just really a cool thing for Red to do is just not not have it go or he's going to retire. And then he says, oh, I think you should hire this guy. He said, this is our new guy. There you go. He's our coach. Let, let's do it. Like, and it wasn't like a big deal. It was just sort of, this is our new coach. It's Bill Russell. He knows basketball. There we go. And it was like, oh, so he didn't give people uh, 
you know, a chance to sort of say, oh, no, oh, no, he's going to ruin the game and all this sort of stuff. He said, well, not too bad. This is the coach. There we go. This is the Celt. Like, and I think that's that's an incredible thing. And I think that's what Red was so good about in his entire career of sort of, you, you know, a lot of it was Russell himself being that man and being that sort of person that was able to be that first black superstar. But I think it helped, too, that Red never stifled. It didn't seem like Red stifled him in any way and let him express himself both, you know, on and off the court and just said, you know, be you, <laughs> you know, I just, you're, you're uh, an asset that can help us win basketball games. I don't care what you say, what you do, all that sort of stuff. And I, I think that's, that's testament to Red and, and really a forward thinking for Red as well to just not seem to care all that much about any sort of thing other than, you know, let's play ball. And, 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 you know, that, and that's, that's something I've always admired Red Auerbach for. Yeah. And, and he obviously helped create in a an environment of, you know, uh, players who were adults, who were willing to sacrifice individually for the team, who were willing yeah. to, um, um, you know, things like, um, you know, like um, you guys were willing to sort of train their replacements. Like Frank Ramsey was willing to, you know, show John Havlicek the ropes, um, you know, guys who were kind of outgoing. Um, you know, when when uh, when Russell broke in, um, Arnie Risen helped, you know, sort of tutor him in the game. You know, he was toward the end of his career. Russell was going in. So they they created that uh, environment where, you know, it wasn't, you know, the the older players showed the younger players the ropes. There wasn't, you know, the the kind of professional jealousy, the kind of racial stripe, the a lot of the problems that were, you know, um, that were in other places throughout the league. Um, not that everything was roses and sunshine. They, you know, they had their issues too, but um, they were able to, um, you know, have a really unique um, environment. It's a lot like the way that the, you know, kind of the Spurs are kind of run today. And I think right. Auerbach and um, Popovich, you know, are comparable personalities and comparable in how they empower players and how they, you know, the one thing that, that Auerbach really, did for Russell was like, you know, or he told Russell, it's like, you know, I don't care how much you score. I'm not going to bring up stats, you know, in contract negotiations, just go out there and, you know, do what you do best. And, uh, in that empowered Russell to, uh, you know, play the way that he did. Cause I mean, Russell was criticized a whole bunch for not scoring at first. And people were like, you know, how is he going to last in this game? If he can't score, if he can't shoot. And obviously he, you know, did everything else and was able to make scoring work well enough. So, um, but you know there there were certainly a lot of doubts and even when he became coach there were a lot of doubts they they, they lost the championship the first year that um you know, he was coach and he, he had his struggles in terms of um managing personalities and managing the rotation it, you know it's he admitted it afterward and and, and worked and it, and it worked better the the next few seasons but um yeah i mean he just um I mean, yeah, we're going to get into a lot, I think, about what kind of what obviously what made Russell special, but also what made the Celtics special and how um, they were able to kind of the create that synergy that led to, mm -hmm. you know, eight championships in a row and 11 out of 13. Um, you know, we're also going to kind of get into the uh, the playoff battles, um, the uh, with uh, especially with the Hawks, uh, the Warriors and 76ers and the uh, the Lakers. Um, and and specifically uh, Wilt uh, or Russell's uh, rivalry with Wilt Chamberlain, how they kind of brought the best out of each other and how they contrasted with each other. I think we'll do some kind of comparing with um, other dynasties. Um, look, kind of look at how the uh, Celtics sort of compare to the um, the Lakers and the Bulls and the modern Spurs and um, you know all, all those different dynasties and just sort of look at some of the numbers and kind of how they compare. Um, 
and um also going to look at uh, russell's uh you know social activism um his fascinating post nba career time with coaching the uh, sonics and his time going into hollywood and you know there's uh there's so much going on there. Um, his important the Kings, his, his, his head coaching of the Kings. We'll talk about yeah, a lot. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm sure we'll bring it up at least a little bit. <laughs> We're not going to do a whole show on that. Maybe not. A whole show, right? Kings tenure. All right. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, I, if people call for it, you know, we'll do it, but <laughs> if they want us to, you know, we'll do it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And, and his important teammates on the Celtics, you know, Casey Jones, Sam Jones, Bob Cousy, Tom Heinsohn, John Havlicek, Frank Ramsey, you know, um, a bunch of, a bunch of the guys who, um, you know, who are really important and kind of look at their roles and everything. And, um, you know, there's so much, I don't know, Rich, what are you uh, most excited about, um, about exploring here? I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that, that, you know, I think people have done, you know, plenty of work on, on Bill Russell. There's many, many books out there, many, many things. So we're just trying to sort of soak in as much as we can. But I think the biggest thing I'm going to try to, or, or at least I want to get out of this is sort of take it from a different way than we've seen a lot of other, you know, websites podcasts anything like that of, of sort of i feel like there's so much when when people talk about bill russell a lot and when you read it and you know big major websites and that sort of stuff and that's i i, I absolutely see why they do this because they're not insane like us and, and just go nuts with with research and whatnot but there's always been this idea that you know russell is this one guy and he's this guy that beat wilt chamberlain a bunch he's this guy that that was a part of the celtics and he was a great defender and that sort of stuff and i think one of the big things i want to do is little by little sort of shine some light on different aspects that maybe aren't talked about. Like I said, in this portion, I want to talk a little bit about how he was a good scorer and how he finished, you know, when he was done in the NBA, he was the third highest scorer, you know, in the entire league. Like that, that's, that's profound. Like people don't, he's not just a, a you know, a stick figure defender that's just out there stopping guys and starting fast breaks or whatever. And that's not what I, I'm not saying a bunch of people say that, but I'm saying there's just this general concept that he's not that great of a scorer, that he wasn't, you know, that great of a, an individual superstar. And he absolutely was. I mean, he was just a, a, a tremendous offensive and defensive a player, uh, you know, in the in the discussion of, of Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, looking at how that's, you know, getting deeper into that rivalry and, and seeing if it's not just, you know, seeing it for more than just Bill Russell beat Will Chamberlain in a bunch of important games and, okay, he's so much better than Will, you know, trying to get a little more nuance with that. And I think that's, that's the thing in, in general of sort of shining light on Bill Russell and shining light on things that Bill Russell did, but also in a way doing it differently than most people. Like I think uh, I'm very excited to look at the other dynasties as well that you mentioned of looking at the Boston Celtics and looking at how they constructed their dynasty versus, you know, some other dynasties that we know, like stuff like that. So just kind of taking a different look at Bill Russell than I think I've ever read or I've ever listened to. And and that's a challenge for, I think both of us, but I think it's one that we definitely want to do. And, and that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, um, for sure. And I, you know, I think I'm interested in exploring, um, you know, Russell, the person and Russell, the, uh, you know, the, the Russell, the artist. I mean, he really did care about the art form of basketball um, almost as much as it did. He seemed to care about winning, even though he was uh, he must have cared a lot about winning to have the drive to win all those championships and to be the best. And that mattered to him. But, you know, it mattered to him also, you know, just about as much about, you know, um, uh, you know, the having a uh, you know, he, he he talked about how, you know, there were times where, you know, the in particular in the games against Chamberlain, but or against the Lakers, um, you know, Baylor and West, the, the, the best players in the league and how, you know, the the gameplay would reach such a level that it would just like, um, you know, he would almost root for the other team to like make a basket after the Celtics did just to kind of keep that run going and keep that excitement 
commit and keep that energy and keep all those things going. Um, and I, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, c- kind of getting into some of that and to some of the, you know, um, and also to kind of get to try to dig into more about like um, how the Celtics really, um, you know, you know, push that style and how, how that style was changed and how that kind of influenced the league and um, and just kind of get a sense of like the how the league um, just completely changed during the time of which his career. I mean, it, it went from this, you know, mom and pop, um, you know, um, thing to a you know to a, a booming industry by the time he was gone and um you know he was uh, instrumental in the you know in the success of that along with wilt along with um you know some of the other uh top players and teams i mean i guess everyone you know who, who played had a, had at least a small role in it but yeah um i think that, that no actually now that you mentioned it, that's another thing as well that i think will, will be interesting to sort of tackle and, and talk about is how how big of a deal he was to the NBA in general. I mean, people, you know, fairly or unfairly sort of ascribe that, you know, Burden and, and Magic came, and that's when the NBA finally was able to, you know, get out of the doldrums and all that sort of, you know, tape delayed NBA finals and that sort of stuff where, you know, you look at the the, the growth that Russell made, and, and like you said, it, it might not be as profound as as the growth that Burden and Magic or, or Michael Jordan, you know, then after them, but what Russell and, and all these guys in this era were able to do was take this league that was just in a literal nothing and, and make it into something. Whereas, you know, those guys, of course, they brought it to new heights that have never been seen before, but you know, the, the credit also has to go for the guys that, that, that kind of got it off the ground as well in a lot of ways. And I think Russell, um, you know, Chamberlain and the other guys we're going to mention as well throughout this are all instrumental in that, uh, you know, of, of that first initial growth of the NBA and the first initial, um, real jump from for, for that league to sort of get respectability uh in this country um so yeah i, I think that's that's something i'm gonna like to tackle as well a little bit of, of you know that that these guys deserve credit as well for what they were able to do to build uh and develop the game absolutely so um so some of my uh i collected a few of the best uh, bill russell quotes that uh, i i think are uh that sum him up well or uh are, are interesting so uh, we'll kind of close with that um first one is I am not a basketball player. I'm a man who plays basketball, and um, and that's that that sums him up well. That sums up his desire to be seen as a as a man, as a person, um, not just as an athlete, not certainly not as a symbol. Even though he was an important symbol for a lot of people and for um for Black progress um during his era and for you know the hopes and aspirations, he wanted to be more than that he was you know incredibly complicated um incredibly uh dynamic person who um you know was just was was so smart and thoughtful and also um uh and also very challenging personality um but he um i so i i i like that one for sure uh next one i hope i epitomize the american dream for i came against long odds from the ghetto to the very top of my profession I was not immediately good at basketball. It did not come easy. It came as the result of a lot of hard work and self-sacrifice. The rewards, were they worth it? 1,000 times over. Which I think is a, um, yeah. you know, a, a, a good summary. And it, it's, it's worth noting, and we'll get into this later on, that um, he, until he got into college, he was not particularly good at basketball. Player. Actually, was sort of at a, uh, like a, like a tour that occurred between um, high school and college that he sort of got, even though he wasn't really a particularly good high school player, he ended up sort of in this um, high school um, 
a, a high school all-star team for California and they played this um they played in this tour and he at that point kind of started to mentally realize that he could sort of start to see the game in his head and could start to see the moves and start to emulate them with his body he sort of grew into his body started to realize that he you know could 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 jump and you know could really you know use that athleticism and could start to start to became become a great player but he was not you know you would not think that one of the best and there have been other exceptions you know like a scotty pippen a guy who really wasn't particularly good but i mean he was really incredibly far away from being great and then two years later is you know the greatest college player um in (laughs) in basketball history yeah just had no confidence either which is another you know thing that you read a little bit as well he's just sort of this like sulking kid that's just sort of like in the corner and he's like i don't know i'm not really any good like he just talks about how he just has no confidence in his game and in anything that he does he couldn't he, he had trouble like talking to girls or what and he talks about and then just something just clicked and he went oh wait <laughs> I'm, I'm bill russell and and just it, it all sort of uh, you know physically it, it it of course helped that he sort of got a growth spurt and got a little bit but it also was a big confidence thing as well that he was like oh i can do this or i'm pretty good at this game i'm pretty good at being you know and then really that's where it all launches so that's that's something that's really incredible as well and like you said there are a few stories like that but uh, rarely do those stories end up with the guy being, you know, one of the greatest players, if not the, you know, the greatest player of all time. So that's, uh, that, that helps. Yeah. And, and reading about him, talk about like the mental game and, and, and how he just loved to, um, you know, talk about the game in college with uh, Casey Jones and study, you know, like, um, you know, the, the different angles that rebounds or rebounds would occur, would occur or, you know, just different things about the game. Like he, he would, he would, you know, talk to the best players and kind of just like soak everything in. And we just like was a, you know, almost a machine of just trying to like absorb all these new things and just all these fascinating new concepts. And this just this, you know, year or so plus of like just discovering what he could do. And then, you know, once he came to University of San Francisco, it sort of being harnessed through um, through coaching and through his own hard work of um, play. It's just really interesting to uh, see. Um the next quote is talking about the um, the um, the racial quotas in the NBA at the time. In America, the practice is to put two black athletes in the game at home, put three on the road, and put five in when you get behind, which <laughs> um, is an amusing way of putting the state of affairs at the time. Um, uh, you can you can win without joy, but winning that's joyless is like eating in a four star restaurant when you're not hungry, and it. It did seem important for him to, you know, to have fun and to, um, you know, to not not let it be just like this dreary thing. And, you know, they won so many championships in a row that, you know, to, to keep that motivation and to keep the, um, you know, to, to keep the sense of awe and the sense of caring and the drive and all that is um, pretty remarkable. Oh, certainly. Yeah. It, 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 it's, you, you know, that, you know, that after five, he wasn't just like, you know what, <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm just going to chill out after, you know, and then to, to, to carry that over as well um, into the coaching rank, you know, obviously being a you know a player coach and that sort of, stuff, it's just, it's incredible what um, that, that is drive to win every single one of those years. And, and, and that entire team's drive to win every single year yeah. that it just wasn't there. There was no complacency. It seemed like ever. And then, you know, of course it's gonna be a quote here. You'll read uh, in a little bit. It wasn't until or, or the next one, at least it wasn't until that 
he finally chilled out when he retired and that was like okay all right <laughs> i'm done now yes. like it's just incredible to have it be turned off then like all right all right it's it's all about this it's all about this it's all about these goals and i'm done and then you just finish and it's over and it's just like that it's just i i envy that because i uh, i am not of that personality whatsoever so <laughs> Uh, the quote is retiring was my final victory, not staying a minute too long or a season too long. Let me leave on my own terms. And apparently after he retired and, and, and this may have been until he was coaching or maybe for the rest of his life, but he never played in another proper five on five game. Um, <laughs> again, nuts. so, um, which is, which is just nuts. Cause yeah. you still hear stories of like guys that have retired, you know, for 20 years and they're still at, you know, YMCA's sure. or Sunday morning things, you know, just, yeah. just destroying these like you know, insurance salesmen, you know, they have no knees where they can still, you know, but yeah, that's just kind of funny. Cause, and he really like, other than the little stints and I know there was a uh, ESPN sports century that talked a, a lot about, uh, it, it was, it was quite a year, probably about a decade or so ago that it comes out or that came out and they, um, they talk a little bit about Russell and his post, you know, basketball career. And it really was that. I mean, there were little stints, of course, we'll talk about, you know, the Sonics and, and, and the Kings and that sort of stuff. But it seemed like a guy who was just when he decided he was done with basketball, it kind of was done with him. And, th- and that's, again, like that little fact that you talk about of not doing the five on fives or whatever. It was just something that even he just seemed hesitant to to go to games, hesitant to like. And even today when they still show him, it's just like, yeah, OK, I'm at the basketball game or whatever. It's like not a guy who who lives and dies by basketball, even though he did, you know, during his career. But it's, it's just a it's just an incredibly, you know, uh, the, the, his personality and what he's able to do and just how you're supposed to how he's able to sort of separate uh, life and basketball while you know while he was there you, you know even while he was playing too in some ways separating the two i think it's just it's incredible yeah absolutely um the last one is the only important statistic is the final score which i um i guess is something you can say when you've won 11 championships <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and, and you get out talk to mr chamberlain about and you, that yeah and, and you get outscored um by will chamberlain in most of those games i guess you know uh, maybe, <laughs> a little, maybe a little self-serving but yeah. You know, you, you you can't you certainly can't argue with the track record. I mean, it's pretty. No, he earned it, unfortainly. Yes. Uh, for better or for worse, he earned yeah. the ability yeah. to say, "Hey, go look at the scoreboard," or "Oh, whoops, sorry, yeah. <laughs> my hands. What are all over my hands? Oh, geez, what are all these? Oh, the rings." <laughs> he has. He's, he's the only guy that can do the rings argument, and then yeah, uh, you know. and, and he's the only guy, I guess, who has too many finger or too many rings for his. Fingers, exactly you know? right. Because the only because uh, Sam Jones is ten and no one else I think has more than eight. Yeah. So. Shut your mouth, Phil Jackson. All right. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I guess Phil does. Yeah. I, I didn't think about, <laughs> didn't think about coaching. And I mean, well, what's he at now? Um. Uh, he's, he, oh, he's. Oh, he's at yeah, eleven. Okay. Yeah, he's eleven. Yeah. Plus Oops, he has sorry. he has two as a player. One of them he was inactive. I don't know if he actually got the ring for seventy, <laughs> but he he got it for seventy three for sure. So. Okay. Well, in that case, never mind. I, sorry, I guess. Like, yeah. You can keep uh, talking. Well, coaching so. rings. Yeah, you know, they're not, they're not the same. So. <laughs> All right. Fine. <laughs> Um, uh, half anything else? Half anything else, Rich? So, uh, no, I think uh, I'm excited to see where the series goes. We have a bunch of episodes planned, a bunch of special guests, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm excited to see uh, where it goes. But yeah, I think um, I think that's that's it for our sort of introduction and uh, uh, just kind of talking a little bit about them. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this series, and I think I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, uh, please uh, let us know uh, what you yeah uh, uh, you know, as as it goes along. Let us know what you uh, think about the uh, WrestleMania series. Uh, you can uh, tweet us or uh, send a message to us on Facebook. It's um, it's at Over and Back NBA for both sites. Um, you can uh, find us at uh, hardwoodparoxysm.com. Uh, leave a comment on the show post if you would like. Uh, you could also um, 
Uh, what else can you do? Uh, oh yeah, the, you can also um, <laughs> go to uh, you can Carrier Pigeon. You can subscribe to our podcast by going oh. to uh, Stitcher and um, and iTunes and leaving a rating and review. We would appreciate uh, that. A particularly good rating and review would be nice. Uh, and Rich, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? Oh, I just said Carrier Pigeon as well. Oh, Carrier but, Pigeon, uh... yes. Well, that obviously yes. We would appreciate a uh, any <laughs> Pony sort of Express Carrier Pigeon. That would be a uh, beneficial, absolutely. So yeah, Pony Express mail would be good too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, whichever. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd love a horse to come to my house and drop <laughs> off some mail. So it's I don't get that. I get a, a mail truck. I, I don't know about you uh, in Ohio. I don't know what you guys do in Ohio, but we have mail trucks here in uh, uh, Illinois. I, I, I believe so. We're gonna have drones probably soon enough. So that's true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. That's good. But no, of course. Yeah. Let let us know one way or another. We even if it's you know, hey, I hate the series guys it's good feedback is feedback and, and we yeah. like to hear it anyway but don't be a jerk i mean how do you hate this clown? We're, yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't be a jerk obviously yeah don't be a jerk yes yeah. but i mean if, if you really if you generally do not like what we're doing and hate it then let us know because it'll yeah. be good or i mean you you, you know, know just be nice about it that's all great <laughs> constructive all right all right well um uh thanks everyone for uh checking us out we'll be back again soon Part of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.